Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Luke chapter number 16. The book of St. Luke chapter number 16. We're going to read uh, beginning with verse number 19. We're going to read down and include verse 31 this morning. Luke chapter 16 beginning with verse number 19. The Bible says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades or hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. Likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. And he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and they have the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets... Neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Father, I just pray today that you will take your word today. God, I I pray a special anointing upon your word today. God, I pray that your word would go forth as you would have it to go forth today. God, I pray that you'll prepare the heart of your people here today to receive this word this morning. God, I pray if there's anyone here this morning, they're not right with you. They're not ready for heaven. I pray, I pray today will be the day when they will come to know you and get their heart right with you and prepared for that glorious place. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we're going to conclude our series on the great questions of life. Today's question is, is there life after death? Now, this is a question that everyone has pondered at some point and time. Is this life all there is? Or is there life beyond the grave? And what happens to us after our three score and ten is all used? Well, the answer based upon God's word is yes. 
Yes, there is life after death. See, although our body will one day die, yet the Bible says that our spirit and our soul will never die. When our body dies, our soul and our spirit are immediately transported into one of two places. And that is as saints go to heaven and and sinners go to hell. Only two choices. We see this plainly in our scripture for today. So I want us to take a few moments this morning to examine these two choices. Only two choices of where we are going to spend eternity after we die. The first choice that we have, and that is the choice of heaven. Heaven, and what a glorious choice, amen? We need to understand that heaven is a literal place. It's not just a feeling. It's not just some kind of fantasy. I would, I would suggest to you that it is as real as this natural world is. According to Scripture, I, I want to mention four things that you can expect to find there. If you find yourself in heaven after you die, four things that you can expect to find. First thing I want us to talk about this morning is the serenity The serenity. Listen, heaven is a place of unsurpassed peace. Lazarus, in our text today, knew nothing about peace. He was a beggar. Anxiety was all he ever knew. He woke up every single morning wondering, am I going to eat today? Can you imagine what it would be like to wake up every single morning not even knowing if you're even going to be able to eat? This was a a man that was a beggar. This was a man that had absolutely none of this world's goods. This was a man that woke up every single morning wondering, am I going to eat today? Woke up every single morning wondering, what's my pain level going to be today with my sores? Wondering every single day, will anyone have pity on me today? Will anybody help me? Oh, thinking at least maybe the dogs will come and lick my sores and give me a little relief. But I want us to notice in verse number 22 it says, And so it was that the beggar died. But I want you to notice what the Bible says next. And the Bible says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels. To Abraham's bosom. This man who had, who had virtually been ignored and mistreated. Oh, and looked down upon his entire life. But the Bible says that when he died, God dispatched some of his angels. God, God said to them, go get Lazarus and carry him. Be very, very gentle with him. Tenderly take him and place him in the bosom of Abraham. It's time for him to be comforted. Oh, oh, he has suffered long enough. Go, go get him and, and, and deliver him and place him into the very bosom of Abraham. Oh, can you imagine the serenity that, that this former beggar must have felt? Verse 25 says, but now he is comforted. Psalms 16 and verse 11, the psalmist says, speaking of God, he says, In your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
And in the book of the Revelation, chapter 21 and verse 4, the Bible says that God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, there will be no more death. Oh, there will be no more sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. We're talking about heaven right now. But notice not only the serenity, but I I want us to notice the sights. Notice the sights. Look with me in the book of the Revelation, chapter 21 this morning. Revelation 21, verse 9 through 21. The Bible says, Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a, like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Its, its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold-like, transparent. Glass, And then look over in Revelation 22 in the first five verses. It says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and forever. Talking about heaven right now, we're talking about the sights. The Bible barely gives us but a glimpse of heaven's sights and splendors. But oh, what we do see is magnificent walls of jasper, gates of pearl, streets of gold, trees and streams, and beauty beyond compare. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Eye has not seen and ear has not heard and it's not even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And Jesus said in John chapter 
chapter 14, he said, in my father's house are many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come and get you. And that where I am, there you may be also. The sights of heaven are uncomparable. There are many people who claim that God has taken them to heaven at the time of their death. But for whatever reason, they were told they could not stay, but they had to return to planet earth. There's one common denominator in every single one of these stories. And it's the breathtaking beauty. Colors so radiant and so majestic, so far beyond anything we know on planet Earth. We're talking about heaven right now, the the serenity. We're talking about the sights. and, And then there's the saints. Matthew 8 and 11, Jesus said, Many will come from the east and from the west, and they will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. In verse 22 of our text today, this is exactly what happened to Lazarus. Oh, I ask you this morning, can you imagine, can you imagine what it will be like to actually literally sit down with the heroes of the faith, the superstars of the Bible? What will it be like one of these days in heaven when we're able to sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Oh, we're able to sit down and converse with people like Moses and David and and Joseph. Oh, how about people like Job and Daniel? How about the three Hebrew children? Uh, oh, let's not, le- let's not leave out Peter, James, and John. And what about Paul and Timothy and John? John the Baptist. Oh, what is it going to be like one of these days when we are actually in, the, in this glorious place called heaven with all of the saints of, all, of old and of God, days gone by and we're able to sit down with them and enjoy fellowship. And let's not forget all of our family members. Let's not forget about all of our friends that have died and gone on to heaven before us. Oh, I love the, I love the story about the hundred-year-old man who was crying. And his son asking, Dad, why are you crying? And the hundred-year-old man said to his son, he said, I have outlived all my friends. They're all in heaven right now, and they probably think I didn't make it. <laughs> Paul writes in First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter four, verse thirteen through eighteen. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about those who have fallen asleep or those that have died, lest you sorrow as others that have no hope. Oh, he said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. How many know if Jesus is going to bring those with him, they've got to be with him now. Pastor, where are my loved ones, my my Christian loved ones that have died? Where are they? They're in the presence of the Lord. Because the Bible says at the time of the rapture or the time of the coming of the Lord, that the Lord is going to bring them with him. How can he bring them with him if they're not with him? 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus or who have died. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep or who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord so comfort one another with these words can you imagine can you imagine what it's going to be like amen when we get to see those that have gone on before us those that have died ahead of us but they died in Jesus they died loving Jesus they've been in his presence for some time now oh but we get to go there ourselves and be reunited not only with the patriarchs and the and the great bible characters of old but those that we love and hold dear isn't that going to be a great great day Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, we're talking about heaven this morning. We've talked about the serenity. We've talked about the sights. We've talked about the saints. Now let's talk about the Savior. See, Jesus will be what makes heaven truly heaven. See, you could have everything else but not have Jesus and it would not be heaven. But you could have Jesus and nothing else and it would still be heaven. Jesus will be the one who makes heaven heaven. First of all, he's the one who gets us into heaven. See, we're, we're only allowed entrance to heaven because of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, he said, I am the way. Did he say I'm one way, many ways, there are a lot of ways out there. Take a pick, take your pick. Go through the smorgasbord and pick, take your pick. No, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Let me tell you that no one is going to get to heaven unless they come through Jesus Christ. No matter how good they've been, amen, no matter how many religious things they've done, no matter how much church they've gone to, no matter how much money they've given to religious organizations, the only way into the presence of God, the only way to make it into heaven, amen, is through Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And then Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8, my new favorite scripture says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Paul says here there are two requirements for salvation. First of all, God's grace. For by grace you have been saved. Pastor, what is grace? I'll tell you what grace is. Grace is God sending his one and his only son to live in this life, to to walk up Golgotha's hill, to die on the cross. Grace is God gathering up all of the sin of mankind and placing them upon his perfect son Jesus on, on, on the cross. Grace is then God pouring out his wrath for, for our sin upon his spotless lamb Jesus Christ. That's grace. That's God doing for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. But even as awesome and as incredible and wonderful as that is, that and that alone is not enough. The Bible said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It takes God's grace, but it takes our faith. It's only when we place our faith in God's grace for our salvation. Only then are we saved and only then are we a candidate for heaven. Our faith in God's grace 
gets us entrance into heaven. We need to understand that Jesus is the star of heaven. Can you even imagine what it's going to be like to see Jesus? Have you ever just taken a moment, just began to allow your mind to begin to, to dream, to begin to imagine, to begin to think about, well, what is it going to be like? What's it going to be like when you are face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the only reason why that you are there is because of Him? What's it going to be like when you finally get to meet the one that you've lived for, that you've served for, that you've given your life for all of these years? What's it going to be like? Well, we could only imagine. Uh, a few years ago, someone wrote a song. I, it was very, very popular. Its song was, I can only imagine. The words go like this. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only Imagine, I can only imagine. The book of the Revelation again, chapter number 19, verses 11 through 16. Uh, oh, the revelator writes and he says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron." He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and he has on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. We're answering the question this morning, is there life after death? And the answer according to the Bible is yes. And according to the Bible, we only have two choices as to where we will spend eternity. We've talked about the first place. The Bible talks about a place called heaven reserved for saints only. Only those that have placed their faith in what Jesus did for them on the cross. Only they will gain entrance to this wonderful, glorious place. Oh, heaven is for saints. Amen. The second choice as to where... To spend eternity is a place the Bible calls hell. May I begin this subject this morning by saying I receive no joy from talking about this place. It literally breaks my heart to even think that such a place exists. I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. 
And if I could, I would literally avoid this subject, and many preachers are doing that very thing today. The problem is hell won't go away just because we ignore it. And the problem is, as a true man of God, I'm responsible to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. See, one of these days, I'm going to stand before God, and I'm going to give an account as to what I preached to you. I'm going to give an account as to what I taught you. I may come across a little hard and a little harsh every once in a while. I've been called a bulldog. But I want to tell you one thing. I don't want any blood on my hands when I stand before God. I've told you many times I'd rather over-save you than under-save you any day. I shudder. I literally shudder when I actually allow myself to think about the incredible responsibility that is on my shoulders every single morning to preach not some popular feel good what will bring the crowd no but to preach the word of God the true word of God Although I totally dislike preaching on hell, my heart leaps for joy when after I preach on hell, somebody decides they don't want to go. I'm going to take just a few moments this morning and give you the Bible's description of this awful place called hell. Notice three things this morning. I want us to first of all notice the torture. Yes, hell is a place of torture. Luke 16, verse 23 and 24 says, speaking of the rich man and being in torment in hell, he cried out, send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm, I'm tormented in this flame. Matthew 13, verse 41 and 42. All offenders will be cast into a furnace of fire. There will be weeping, there will be wailing, there will be gnashing of teeth. Revelation 21 and 8 says all sinners will have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hell is a place of indescribable torture. Torture so severe that we are unable to even comprehend it. Oh, please, please, I, I beg you this morning, please, please do not end up in hell. Listen, listen, nobody has to go there. Jesus has made a way of escape. Not only is there the torture, but also there's the terror 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 says, Because we know about the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Matthew 25 and verse 46 says, These will go away into everlasting punishment. Say everlasting. everlasting. Luke chapter 16 and verse 26 says, There is a great barrier separating heaven and hell, and no one can cross this barrier. And you even imagine the various terrors 
of hell. Just to mention a couple, how about the terror? The terror of knowing that that not only are you experiencing the tortures of hell, but that you will never, ever get out. That the tortures that you are experiencing today, you will experience tomorrow, and a thousand tomorrows, and a million tomorrows, and a billion tomorrows. To think that you will never ever experience even not even one ounce of relief. Not even one single drop of water on your tongue. It won't be merely physical torture, but think of the mental terror. I hate going to the dentist. I really hate getting a root canal. The only thing that gets me through is I know that in 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever, it's been a while, I don't remember, it seemed like 12 years. But I know I'm going to get out of this chair. I'll walk out of here. I can do this. <laughs> it's only for a while. Mentally prepare myself. It's just going to be for a little while. But can you imagine in hell? Can you imagine the mental anguish when you understand that you're no closer today than you were yesterday? You'll be no closer a million years from today than you are today of ever getting out. The mental terror, the emotional trauma. And worst of all, worst of all, to be eternally separated from God and every godly influence. Can you even imagine the wickedness? Can you even imagine the perversion? Can you even imagine the literal terror of a place that is totally void of God and totally void of anything righteous and anything good. Have you ever been to a place that was just so wicked you could just sense it, you could just feel it? It was so thick. Been there? God's still here. Can you imagine what it will be like in hell when there won't be one single godly influence? We're talking about hell. We're talking about the Bible's description of it. It it describes the torture. It describes the terror. And then there are the tears. The tears. We find these in Luke chapter 16. We read earlier in Luke 16, verse 25 through 31. Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and now you are tormented. 
Besides all of this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, oh, that you would send, oh, send Lazarus to my father's house. I've got five brothers. Oh, that, that, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this horrible place of torment. But Abraham said to him, they've got Moses, they've got the prophets, let them hear, hear, hear them. He said, oh, no, Father Abraham, but if one would go to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said, oh, even if they do, I said, if they do not hear Moses or the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if somebody rise from the dead. I ask you this morning, can you imagine the tears? Can you imagine the tears that must have been shed by the rich man in hell? No doubt tears flowed as he thought about what could have been. He can look, it says it right there, he can look over into paradise. And he can see Lazarus and he can see that Lazarus is being comforted by Abraham. And then to realize that he could be there too. Who knows, Lazarus might have warned him. Oh, can you imagine people in hell being able to see into heaven and all that they are missing out on and then a recording plays in their mind of every sermon they ever heard, amen, of every warning they ever received, of every altar call that they did not respond to. And I have to live with this for all of eternity. And to think of all their friends and family members that are following them into this horrible, horrible place. Oh, oh, the rich men begged Abraham, please, please send Lazarus to warn my five brothers. I, I don't want my brothers to end up in here with me. Oh, can you even imagine? Can you even imagine the tears that are going to be shed in hell? Tears of unrelenting pain. No pain like burning pain. Tears of unfathomable, unfathomable regret. Why didn't I listen? I was at the grace place that Sunday morning. I heard. I heard the sermon, is there life after death? I heard the men of God preach. I, he gave the altar call. He gave me a chance. Why? Why did I not respond? Tears of unstoppable recording playing over and over. And over and over and over. In the theater your mind. Today is the third Sunday in our series, The Great Questions of Life. Today's question, is there life after death? The Bible says, yes. Amen. Say, well, pastor, what if that Bible ain't true? What if it is? Amen. Pastor, what if... This life is all there is to it. And we just die and then everything's done. I've still lived the greatest life there is to live. Amen. 
loving Jesus, living for Jesus, serving God. It's the greatest way going. But what if this Bible is true? And you thought, eh, no, can't be. And that hell thing, really? You have no idea how bad I hope I'm wrong. You have no idea how bad I hope my theology is off about hell. I hope it doesn't exist. I hope like some good people love Jesus, they believe you go to hell, but you burn up. Oh, I'm like that. I don't want to do that, but that I could, if I have to do what well, I could, maybe. But I've read the Bible. The Bible talks about hell's everlasting, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. For life after death, you better be thinking about that question. If I could get some help on the platform this morning, please. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and 27, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, say after this, after this, the judgment. The results of this judgment will determine where you will live after you die, where you will spend eternity. Only two choices, in heaven with the Lord, in hell with the devil. Where will you spend eternity? Our takeaway for today, we will all spend eternity somewhere. The choice is ours. Which will you choose today? Will you choose heaven? Or will you choose hell? Heavenly Father, I just pray today that you'll take this word today. The true word of God, not not my sermon. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the word of God contained in this sermon today. Take your word, Holy Spirit. Convict hearts. Draw people to Christ. 